This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome to episode 460. Uh, We are very glad to have you here. Um, We're going to rip through the business again this week and let you get to them. Uh, First of all, we just want to say a huge shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for the support. Um, if you haven't been to our YouTube, check that out. Subscribe. Ross's 200-inch buck recovery is there. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's worth watching. It's pretty awesome. We're going to have a lot more stuff coming out on YouTube, too. It, yeah, we're going to have a lot more coming. And if you follow us on uh, – I kind of felt bad a little bit. Did you see me roast that dude in our story about <laughs> – Yeah. You guys measure stuff weird. <laughs> I was like, how much – and I went to the guy's Instagram, which is him hitting bongs. And I was like, man, how much is that buck measure in grams? And then so I had a couple of people were like, dude, way to roast the guy, but you didn't have to bury him. Right. I'm like, oh, I, I cold as ice. Hey, cold you as know ice. What it, it is what it is. Hey, I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> the podcast is presented by Elite Archery. Uh, we've been shooting Elite for a long time. A very re- reliable, very enjoyable bow. As they would say, it's the most shootable bow. Um, I would agree. Agree. Take the shootability challenge. If you have Absolutely. not, go to a dealer and shoot one. Try it. And if you like it, you can order one off of Elite's website and use code WCB and have it shipped to a local dealer. So, one, you're supporting us by supporting Elite, and then you're also supporting a local dealer. And by, you're saving some cash. And you're saving money. So, right. all well-rounded circle there. Go and support it. We love it. Hopefully, you will, too. We think you will. We think you'll like an Elite. If you haven't shot one, they're they're awesome. It's We're slowly converting all our friends into Elites, and it's kind of funny how the Elite family grows, and it's cool to see. Try them out. Elite Archery, code WCB. Uh, and the podcast also brought to you by Big to- Big Time, Big Toyn. Big Twine. Uh, Big code Twine. WCB2021. I was saying WCB21 because I'm an idiot. Um, I was wrong. It was close. It was real close. So don't message us <laughs> or Joe. It's twenty WCB2021. Save yourself some money. Um, also, Spy Point Cameras, Rogue Ridge E-Bikes, Scent Crusher, Old Barn Taxidermy, uh, Thermoseat. We have our own thermoseats in the store with our logo on them where you can right. go to thermoseat. And I think the code is uh, WCTS on thermoseats website. That'll save you some money there. Um, Victory Archery, Victory Arrows, um, Rip TKO guy. You, 
What did you switch to? I keep forgetting Austin. I'm for shooting moves. the VAP SSs. That's your moose yep. arrow. Yep. The heavy guys. 75 grain insert. The moose killer. Yeah, it's it's smacking. We don't have a code for uh, victory. That's a common question. I will work on that for you guys, and we'll see how far we can get. And same thing with Scent Crusher. We'll see what we can do there. Um, and Spy Point, a lot of questions there. Um, Spy Point's a great company. They've they've been great to us, and we like them. We've been using a lot of the um, the cell links. Yep. And uh, so those have worked great for us, and those are budget-friendly to get into a cell cam. I mean, you can find them on sale for 40 bucks at, like, Shields. I think they're on sale right now at Dick's or something? Yeah. For, like, so. 40 bucks. Yeah, I saw someone say, I don't really care for Dick's Sporting Goods, but they have a really good price on, on cell links right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm anxious to try those. I've tried just about every cell camera in the business, so I'm anxious to try these spy points out and see how they work. Make sure they're updated and have good lithium batteries in them, and yep. you'll be happy. Um, Gator Outdoors. Gator Outdoors is a lifestyle brand um, here. I always said it was from Bellevue, Iowa, and I think that's been incorrect. I say a lot of false things about Gator Outdoors, <laughs> and I, I feel like they're right. It's like I talked to Wade. And just never been called out. He's just like, hey, man, uh, we're not in Bellevue. I'm like, I thought you were. Bellevue is a beautiful little hey, town in they're, Iowa. They're close to Bellevue. Yeah, what town are they from? I can't remember. That's the thing. I always <laughs> thought I was in Bellevue, so my head just goes to Bellevue. Um, I think the code WCB25 is still the active code for Gator. That was 25% off. That may have changed. Here, here I am. It's probably fucking wrong. Sorry, Gator. But they're great people over at Gator. They put out some great merch, some great shirts. They got some um, cool kid stuff, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of kids stuff. Wade, the owner of Gator, is very focused about getting kids in the outdoors. Yep. yep. So it, it's really cool. Good company to support. Good old American company there. Red Blood and Americans. God Wade, damn Wade, right. Wade called me today. It's boat sank in the storm. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Yeah. So It, was, it ripped through that area last night. Yeah, it sank his boat. Woof. Damn. So he's like, I'm just having a terrible fucking day. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure you are, man. Um, but good people, everyone that supports us, I consider them good people. They support what we do in this industry and we're thankful for it because we are the way we are. And it's rare. There's a lot of companies that avoid us yep. probably because we say whatever we want for good reason. A, they avoid us for good reason. Right. right. <laughs> but, then, but then there's a lot of people that like, <laughs> like it because we just say what we want when we want and how, I mean, we're not being, we're not bullshitting anybody here. Right. Correct. And any of our partners, if we didn't think it was good stuff, we wouldn't be partnered with them, you know? Um, but that being said, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting our partners. And we hope you enjoy this podcast and learn a thing or two. Or don't, at least maybe laugh and just enjoy hearing us in the background or uh, driving your nut, your wife nuts while you're driving with her. Um, anyway, enjoy it. Thank you. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, episode 460. Oof. 
is every 10 episodes a milestone at this point or yeah, we absolutely just, it is yeah because yeah. then we forget like what episode we're on so right in between it's a new era of sixes that's right welcome to the podcast thank you for being here we appreciate your support uh this is the third we're, we're going to keep counting down how many in studio guests we have until it just gets old um until <laughs> we get to 460 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get to another 460. <laughs> right. And that's how it works. Uh, Kurt Geyer speaking. Doug Schmidt. Eric Hammond. Austin Chandler. And another special guest in studio, Mr. Todd Anderson. Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It, by the way, before we get this off the rip here, congratulations on the studio. This place is amazing. Thank you. you guys Thank did you. a bang up job. Thank Super you. Cool. You got to kind of see it like in construction yeah, zone and all I that. I did. I stopped in once and uh, you guys were still kind of in the middle of it. And yeah, what it turned into is, uh, you know, super awesome well i will say for all our guests and uh people who've been a guest or future guests or listeners whatever if you're going to make it here you brought us a really cool gift that allows us to like basically print polaroid photos from our phone so yeah. when we take like studio pictures of like guests we've had in we can now print them out and they're like perfect sized where we can put them up and like make a board so people can see right. who've been in studio and stuff like that. So we appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome, man. No problem. And it's kind of crazy. So you did a podcast with us for the first time December, you said? Yeah, middle of December. If you guys didn't listen to that, go back. It's a another very, um, I, I would consider high level whitetail podcast. You're, uh, you're a local guy to us. You are a big buck killer. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we talked about two bucks you killed last season. If you want to recap like what those bucks were real quick so people kind of know that you truly are a big buck killer if they didn't hear that episode. It's definitely well worth the listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun coming in and, and you know, first po- first time podcasting. So it was it was uh, definitely a really cool experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it just kind of capped off an amazing season that I had where in October, late October, I think it was October 30th, killed a uh, 179 and 7 eighths. Um, <laughs> basically mainframe typical with a fork G3. And then two weeks later, I ended up killing a 198 and 7 eighths inch 7 by 5 mainframe with a forked G2 on his left, so 13-point typical, basically. Just an absolute slob. Yeah, yeah, big deer. And we got to hold both those bucks mm-hmm. in studio. You brought, actually, those two deer and a big muley you killed. Yeah, I killed a, a 185 muley out in Colorado the first week of October before those white tails. That, so. that might be the most perfect season of all time. I'd consider yeah. that a yeah. dream season. Yep. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was uh, pretty blessed last year. So it, I just wanted to cover that a little bit. If someone hadn't heard that previous episode, or if for some reason they were to doubt your um, ability to kill big animals, <laughs> uh, we had to just cover that because you are like, I consider, I don't know if this is like a term that everyone uses, but I use it um, a local legend. Like you're a guy in our area that gets it done consistently on big deer. And, and you're pretty much, you're a professional hunter that just doesn't have a TV show or like a, a major platform where people will know you all over, but you're, you're, you're doing, you're killing the same caliber of deer as whatever guy that has that type of shit is, you know? Well, you know, it's, it's when you get to a certain point, it just becomes what you want to do and, and you pour yourself into it. It's, it's a passion of mine. No doubt about it. Yeah. Spend a lot of time, uh, walking the timber, sitting on a tractor, doing food plots, um, in the tree, I, you know, this time of year, I'll take my girls out and we'll just be glassing, looking for deer. And it's just part of the lifestyle. So, yeah. 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 Just a party at this point. Like you're Absolutely. not, you're not consciously thinking about it cause it's just kind of your lifestyle in general. No, I mean, you know, we're, we're, while we're recording this, it's just after July 4th. And, and it was like, that's just kind of one of those days that in my life is like, okay, 
flip the switch and now it's deer time. Deer season, yeah. You know? yep. Your mindset so. changes. I've noticed that too, like just in like social media interaction from, I mean, the time of recording, you know, it's Thursday, 4th of July was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's like, I can already feel it. I feel it in my mindset, you know, it's going forward. It's like, I'm already thinking like, all right, the, here comes training days for the mule deer hunt. Here comes yep. training days, getting prepared for whitetail. The spy points need to get out. We're going to start seeing who's, who's still around, who's new to the block, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's going on. You're kind of going from there and assessing. So, um, that being said, right now, I mean, is there deer that you're looking forward to seeing from previous seasons? Are you I, – cause I, I know – I guess let me kind of say this before you, you go into that. I, I don't always have deer that I'm looking forward to seeing coming in the next season. I don't always have, like, ground that I can pattern or whatever. But I know if I hold out and play my cards right, one's going to pop up and i got to find them and get in on it. Um, so where are you at right now? Are you, are you looking forward to deer that you – new from last season are you hoping for somebody new to pop up or uh yeah probably both i would say um you know so last year there was there were there were pull pull your mic up just a little bit you're good you got it um so last year there were two or three good ones that you know one of them was a four-year-old we found his sheds in january and they taped it about 160 so i'm really excited to see what he turns into yeah yeah um and then another one was a deer that I'm guessing him to be five and a half last year, so he'll be six this year. And real wide deer, short G2s, long G3s, but we found his sheds as well. Very massive deer, and he was in the 170s. So mm-hmm. those two deer are kind of who I'm, I've really got my eyes on. But um, beyond those two, there's always a few deer that move in. You know, we're on yeah. a big, long creek, and, and just the way that it goes. You know, I killed two overly mature deer last year so that makes room for a couple more to come in right right and, and probably would have yeah uh, you're good there you're kind of you cleared over the cap right i guess is probably right. the way to put that right yeah and especially with the long creek line like that you never know what's going to be coming through yeah. there exactly so um it, it seems like on our place we have deer that show up in the summer we may get three or four trail cam pictures of them and it's kind of hard to inventory in Illinois, just because we can't put out feed for them, right? Um, right. So you kind of have to hit pinch points and mm-hmm. fence crossings and, and that, that open being gates. Said, do you get stressed about like what you do or don't have in velvet for pitchers because of that reason, or do you, do you, are you kind of the guy that's oh, uh, you know, I don't have a ton of velvet pitchers, but I'm not stressing because once the velvet's off, a ton changes with like smaller proper private property areas and stuff like that, like. You know, are you like, oh, when the velvet comes off, I'll get what I want type of thing, or I'll see maybe see a deer that piques my interest? Well, it's always nice to know that there's some good ones on the farm, you know, getting them in velvet. And, and typically there's two or three that we'll get. Um, but almost every year there's one or two that show up that you're just like, well, where'd he come from? Right. Yeah. You know, so. Kind of one of those randoms that just show up. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and it's, it's kind of, I, I don't know if you'd say cyclical, but it's just like one of those things where the way that our land sits if there's nothing there during the, during the summer, something's going to show up in the fall. And usually yeah. once one comes in, we have enough does on the place that they're going to stick around. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. And, yeah. And you're putting in the work to kind of hopefully keep them around because you're not just, so I, I just think, I don't want people to think they see your big deer and that you just got it made, but like you're actually putting in work. Like there's food plot work and, and land management work that goes in to keep deer like that around. That's why you're able to kill two caliber, like world-class type bucks in a season. 
for that reason, you know, like it's not, it's not by luck by any means. Well, yeah. Part of it is, you know, of course we're putting in the work in the summer and all year long, really. And then, um, we, we just have a lot of deer in the area, thankfully. And we are very cognizant of the fact that we don't want to put pressure on these deer. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of the farm that we just kind of give to the deer. And so they, they get very comfortable in there. The last, I would say five or six years, I can't think of a year where we didn't have three or four shooters that we identified going into the season just because, yeah. you know, it's it's been managed to the point that we give those deer the area. And, and if you don't push deer around too much, they're going to stick around. Yeah. 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 Est- establishing a sanctuary on your farm, no matter how big of a farm you have, if you can dedicate a certain portion of your farm towards a sanctuary, a place that you don't go in, um, it seemed to have really elevated a lot of the trail camera pictures that I got on several of my farms. Yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah. See, we that's something that gets brought up a lot, of course, you know, in 460 episodes. Like, pressure mm-hmm. is a thing. You know, when we have Mark Dury on, he talks about pressure. And I found in the last, like, sep- like, three, four years of me hunting, the less time, it feels good to spend time out there because you feel like, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. It feels like you're accomplishing yeah. something when you could actually be doing harm. Yeah, I almost feel like it's better if you kind of, like, do your major scouting while you're actively hunting and then be conscious of your entry and exit and then spend the least amount of time as possible in the summer coming into the fall. And I feel like that pays off bigger. Do you feel the same way, like, when it comes to just pressure in general? Absolutely. I mean, the good thing about my place is that there's a lot of timber there. So when I'm out there during the summer, specifically, I, um, I'll, I want, I'm not going to be running through there with four wheelers. I'm not going to be doing a lot of movement where I'm sneaking up on deer. If I'm going through the mow the trails, I'm going slow. And there's enough topography that deer will hear me coming, and they may be two ridges away from me. Right. And then by the time I get to where they are now, they've already circled back around. And it's just, I'm not sneaking up on anything. I'm not pushing them around. Yeah, surprising them. No, exactly. Crazy. Exactly. And, you know, I think like a lot of animals, deer kind of get used to their environment. So once they kind of associate that, oh, that's a tractor coming through mowing. Yeah. He's done that 30 times over my life. Right. It's, it's not, almost like it's a diesel engine. I'm cool. Yeah. It's not a threat, right? They, yeah. you know, like, they get kind of comfortable with it. For the most part, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, so if you're kind of consistent in what you're doing and you don't surprise them, you don't push them, um, they get comfortable in there and you give them enough area that they can get away from you pretty easily, Yeah, I think that they'll get comfortable and, and they'll just hang around. Well, and I think that's like a big mistake that a lot of people do is I get a lot of people ask me when they first get their first trail camera, they go set it up, they get a big buck on camera, then they're in there like every week checking it. I tell them. Social media guys. Yep. I'm like, hey. Just stay the hell out of there. He'll be on that camera. Trust me. Yeah. Just you don't have to look at it. Yeah. If you got him on there once, stay out of there for two months. You'll be good. Just don't fuck with him. Right. That, you know, I think that is, and I don't consider myself near on the level as like, you know, a Todd or an Austin, Austin or right. a Ross. Like you, I look up to you guys um, as being like up in the top tier of like big buck killers in there, but you guys are just like our buddies, which is even cooler, right? Like we get to talk to you guys like this, but you know, I'm getting to the point more and more, like I get a buck in velvet. I don't really get overexcited. I'm not rushing in to try and set more trail cams. It's like, you know, but I've also had, I have more hunting experience to know, okay, he's, I know he's in there. He's in there right. in velvet. He's in there in velvet for a reason. He's not moving 
as far because he's still in velvet. So his home area in velvet is in there. If I stay the fuck out of there, I got good lithium batteries and I did everything I need to do from whatever cell camera I'm running. We run spy point. Then I'm good. You know, hopefully that camera, the batteries are going to last. I'll get pictures of them. Go in, you know, go in only when needed and I'll adjust my cameras, make sure everything's good. And then I'm out of there until I got to make moves and can learn more. Of course, you know, when you're going in and out, like if you're going to hunt, you know, you make your adjustments on the fly. So you're not fucking around for no reason. But I've just kind of learned like that pressure or lack of pressure or lack Mm -hmm. of involvement is better. But we talk about this a lot, especially the more and more we get into it. Social media makes you want to fuck around in your woods more. (laughs) It does. Because you see like the guy who might not have as much experience, but is playing it like he has a ton of experience is in there taking selfies of him sweating in the middle of the timber, setting his trail camera. And he's like, cams are out. The fleet's out. You know what I mean? Doing that when real, and then that guy has nothing to show for it. Come October, November. Right. Do you, do you feel like that's pretty accurate or I mean, what's, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it for sure. There's a lot of guys that are just kind of like chasing that, that notoriety online Yeah, and there, there's an, ex, there's a cost to doing that. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're not hunting 2000 acres or whatever. I mean, yeah. you can't burn your deer up. That, that's just period. That's it. You can't do it. Um, so you know, I've ne- I don't get super into social media. Um, yeah, I don't worry about posting velvet deer. First of all, I don't want everybody knowing what I got going on. We don't right. post in my place pictures. Either. You know what I mean? Yeah, we just, so, we post just them after dogs. the deer's dead. That's my yeah. philosophy. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd much rather put hero shots out there than hey, there's there's three really great bucks on my farm and truck cam picks are for after death. Yep, I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that sucks because we have a trail cam sponsor, yeah. but they just kind of have to deal with that. Well, yeah. that's just how it is. But yeah, I mean, we share them between ourselves. But as far as social media goes, they're memorial picks at yeah, this point. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. I mean, no question about yeah. it. Trail cam pictures, trail cameras are a huge tool to identifying what's out there. And you know, once you know what's on your place or it's in the neighborhood, it makes it a lot easier to pass deer that maybe you'd be tempted by if you didn't know there was two or three really good ones around. Right. Um, yeah. The, I've had numerous bucks over the years that you may get one or two pictures of them and you know, they're in the woods. It, it, I almost think that some of them are a little bit camera shy. Like mm-hmm. I've had pictures where I've seen bucks coming through an area and then next thing you know, they're like staring at the camera and you don't get another picture of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you go in there and that camera's pointed in, I don't know, what would you say, 20-degree angle? You know, yeah. it's capturing or 40 to 5 degrees, whatever it is. Those deer are smart enough that they can get, they can stay away from that that area that's going to capture them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and definitely. So you just have to be really patient on the big ones. I, I, I agree with that. And I think I talked about, was it last season, a lot how, like, the, the camera doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah, it helps, and it can give you confidence going into an area. But I feel that a lot of people if they have like, they don't have the experience of like what a trail camera actually captures or you sat over a trail cam cause you weren't getting pictures over it and you went in there to see, and then you realize all the deer are 20 yards behind the tree behind exactly. it. You're yeah, like, right. Oh shit. They're cutting around. But, but then it made me wonder is like, is my, the way I had my trail camera set up, is that diverting how the deer were moving? Because one buck solid or at one doe in a group of five got spooky and did the whole bob and weave at it. 
and then all the other deer got weird about it, so now they're moving 30 yards behind it or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's probably you the never, You never know. It probably right. is. It's, it's, painting, it's painting a general picture of the farm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you set out three or four cameras on a farm. Even if you just get one or two pictures of that big one, at least you know he's in there. Like, it's, it's just... You're taking a general inventory doesn't mean really anything other than that deer is you have the potential to see that deer on that farm. Yeah. That's the way I look at it in the early season anyways. For sure. I think that's a good way to look I, at it. I don't get excited about velvet pictures. Like it's awesome to get to take some general inventory. If you have a good one, fine. If not, it might be November before I see a big deer show up on my There's farm. There's a lot of season left. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, right. I used to stress about it like, oh, shit, I got nothing. But I don't anymore because I'm kind of like used to how it goes, like the reality of like how deer move or how just how trail cameras work. Like, yeah, it's it, tough in Illinois to take inventory in the early season. It is tough. We don't get the big time feed picks like these spoiled Iowa boys yeah. to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Dick bags. Well, and, and in a lot of areas too. I mean. A big deer in the summer, he may be three miles away out right. in some ditch in the middle of a cornfield where there's yep. plenty of cover, and as soon as those crops come out... And there's going to be a lot of cover in the early yeah, season. absolutely, yep. and as soon as those crops come out, they just completely relocate. Yeah. We, we, had a, yeah. we had a deer, he would show up every year, like three years in a row, he showed up the weekend between first and second shotgun season. Like, so he, my guess is, he was just hanging out somewhere in some little patch of timber, never got any pressure... And then a couple of shotgun guys would go in, bump him, and he'd come right to our place. Mm, he's just hiding out. That's it. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, that's the smartest thing to do. If you were a whitetail buck in Illinois, that say you're a 180 inch whitetail buck, I'd be doing the same shit. Right. Hey, if someone's you know? trying to murder you, you know, at your own house, you're going to go <laughs> to the neighbor's house, right? And hang out okay. for a while. That might be the best way to put it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, me thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, dude, if someone's trying to kill me, it's like, oh, yeah, someone's trying to murder me in my house. I'm going to my parents' house, yeah. you know, yeah. next door. <laughs> I'm going to go lay on top of a subway somewhere. Like, people aren't going to find me. They just think of the weirdest places to hide. Yeah. Right. That's well, right. Well, that's why, like, I think some guys turn their noses up to, like, the one acre, two acre, three acre, dude, four acre patches. The megalodons. Mm-hmm. 80% of the time, that's where those big boys are hanging up there's a big high 40s eight out here that my dad killed literally on two acres of timber like a patch yeah. it was it's just basically a creek run through a cornfield and a bean field and it's one circle patch of timber and that's where my dad shot that but well you've guys seen some of my pictures on that one farm and it's less than an acre yeah of timber yeah that's i mean that's the spot they that's where they go they see yep. it. it's the only spot for cover and no one else is going to go there but the guy that might hang one stand on the right wind and get lucky. Um, moving into that with kind of the 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 pattern of of possible inconsistencies or consistencies. At what point do you feel when you see a buck? Say you get a trail cam photo of a big buck. What point are you like? All right, I think I can get on this deer. I'm going to pattern this specific deer. So are you when when would let's just say when was that picture gotten? Say late July. Late July? Okay, so if I get a picture of a really good deer in late July, um, he's probably very comfortable on my farm. Mm-hmm. Just because if he's in there at that point, he's that's his, that's where he's living. Okay. Um, there's a lot of deer that may not be on my farm in July that'll show up a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But if he's there in July, he's there. You know? He's there. Yeah. Even so, in full velvet, he, you think he's going to stick around? Yeah, he may shift a little bit one way or another, but he's going to be somewhere. That like can, when the velvet comes off? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't get too excited about hunting them, the, the mature deer, 
the Bucks at least until I would say that last week of October. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, now if we're in, what, what, say, what do you mean though? I kind of break that down. Like what? What's you? If you get a, a picture of a buck in late July, you don't get excited about hunting them until late October. Correct. Yeah. Really? No, I mean, I'm not going to go in there and try to kill them on opening day or. You know, if it's 85 degrees in the afternoon, I'm not going to be like, you know, he's coming to this food plot. I'm going to go hope that he comes out with right. enough time. Okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff happens, I think, where a guy will go into a spot and the damage they do, you don't even realize. Like, you leave so much scent when it's warm out. Mm-hmm. Entry exits, obviously huge. We know mm-hmm. that. Um, but those deer, when they come out, if say you're say you're on the edge of timber, you're out in a food plot that's on an edge. You come into a ground blind or you get in a tree stand right on the edge and you hunt. You don't see anything. He doesn't come out. Maybe you see some does, whatever. You get down, you leave. You think, okay, I didn't booger him up. He didn't He didn't come out. He doesn't know I was there. There's a real good chance he's going to come out an hour or two hours after dark and say, wait a minute, something's not right. Right. You know, there was a person in here. And now you just maybe pushed him to the neighbor's farm or you made him completely nocturnal. Mm-hmm. So the risk reward at that point to me just isn't there. Um I've killed, you know, quite a few pretty good deer. And in the early years, I would say October 1st is here. It's hunting season. I'm hunting. I'm going to be in a tree. I'm going to be after them. And it just never came together. I've killed one good deer on October 1st, and it was just a fluky thing. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. No. So, But, but it adds up, right? Like, if, if I add up my mm-hmm. – uh, and, and I don't feel like what I've done is, like, on the same level as yours. I'm not saying that. But – I agree from from my experience. And, and Chandler, would you agree? The earliest buck I've ever killed was October fifteenth, and I got lucky on him. Like That's I just, interesting. I just happened to be on a a ridge that was dropping acorns and smoked a giant on October fifteenth, and I was seventeen years old. Like all my bucks that I shoot are October twenty and and on. Mm-hmm. Eric, Doug, what about you guys? Like, what in your experience? Like, if we add it up here, I don't think I ever killed a big buck in October. No, mine was, uh, well, the eight-and-a-half-year-old was the only October buck. October 30th? Yep. Something like that. I mean, so yeah, it kind of adds up to kind of be <laughs> we don't. We range. don't have a lot of early season experience, I guess, when it yeah. comes to killing big deer. I'm not saying it can't be done. Like, if I, if I had the right it. weather where I could get out of the combine and hunt in early October and I had a giant using a food source and he was predictable, I'd go out and kill him in early October. I've just never been able right. to do it. My the earliest I've ever killed like a big buck would be um October seventeenth. Yeah. Would be my biggest. So I had a an encounter with a deer that, you know, is one of those he'll be a top ten of my lifetime deer um experiences. And that was probably October tenth to twelfth, somewhere in there. But it was all based on weather at that point. We had an right. early cold front come in, went out in the afternoon. Uh, he came into a food plot, didn't get a shot at him, but it, it was, uh, you know, had had an encounter with him. Right. But it was 100% based on the fact that we had an early cold front. Was that last year or the year before where early October was like really cold? Last, and it, this last season. Yep. And then it got hot again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's I tagged out. And I think that's the only reason why I tagged out. It was bizarre weather, weather. here. Yeah. Because yeah. we had, uh, I'm, I'm drawing blanks, but... Um, mid late October, it was like beautiful, mm-hmm. perfect hunting weather. And then I'm like, man, guy, you guys are going to, I tagged out, got lucky. And I'm like, you guys are going to murder it in November. And then it got hot, yeah. like hot, Real hot. Then I was like, fuck. Cause I hunted Indiana during that time. And I'm yep. like, dude, this sucks. 
But so, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point we all bring up here, but you know, October 1st, you had the fluke situation, but I mean, what if we broke down our math just with us, ignore everybody else in the game, October 15th would be the earliest you'd make any crazy moves. Really? I mean, for the most part, if it's you know, the, the, my kind of rule of thumb in my mind is I'm not going to go after a deer. I'm not going to go into the timber, start hunting really hard on anything before October 25th, unless there's a, a cold front that comes through that's abnormal. You know, right. you're getting lows in the upper 30s or mid 30s. Right. Then I'll try to get on them. Okay. So even if you, you got a buck, you know about late July, come all the way into mid-October, you're not thinking about making any serious moves unless crazy weather fronts or something mm-hmm. strange until the end of October. Yeah, I just, I don't see the, uh, I think the, the potential for killing that deer is so small that he's in the play, he's in the farm. Why screw it up? Why okay. do anything? Let me That's ask you this. At that point, what, at what date-ish, mm-hmm. I know there's always a buffer because you mm-hmm. can't ever call the date. Like That's just, you can't do it. At what date-ish are you kind of worried about losing him on his predictability for the chasing of the rut? I, I'm not. I'm not, not worried, worried about, about it at all. No. I mean, so to me, you to kill big deer, big bucks, I think especially when you're hunting the same property consistently, you just have to really know your does. Know your does. Okay. Um, I like that. I'm writing that down actually. Yeah. So you have to kind of understand where they're feeding at during the year, what they're doing. Um, And then if you have pockets of overly mature does, it seems like for whatever reason, the mature does come into heat first. Mm -hmm. So when one of those mature does comes in. The MILFs, right? Yeah, exactly. That might be... uh, (laughs) Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> the MILFs. Yeah. So that might be your best chance and your only chance at some of these mature deer. I mean, well, because once they get locked down with a, with a doe, then it's just they're cycling in and out, and you got to get lucky at You're that point. You're playing that game, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you if you can – October 25th – I've killed a lot of deer October 27th. I've killed a lot of good ones October 29th, 30th. Um, that first week when the does start coming in, even maybe just before they start coming in, and the bucks are like – we know it's getting close. We know it's going to be time. They're going to be out there checking them. Yeah. That's probably the best, right? Just get them as they're coming into heat. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. smelling it. Everyone's getting all horned up and yep. weird and you know what I mean? Kind of like Doug. Everyone's getting excited. Doug, what's up? He killed me October 1st, probably. <laughs> <laughs> too predictable, son. Yeah. Doug's way too predictable. But you know, we, so Big Creek Bottom Farm and... Middle of October, we start having scrapes showing up down in the bottoms pretty hard. And yeah. 10 years ago, I would be on those scrapes. I would be down there October 15th, October 20th. And maybe you're going to catch one coming in at dark, but it's still so dang hot that they're going to catch you. They're going to wind you. Yeah. And you screw it up. And, and it's just, you're so much better to leave those deer alone, wait till they come to you and, and just catch them when they're, their guard's down. You must yeah. have owned this farm for a while, huh? Yeah. We've owned it for a little over twenty years. Yeah, so you got to figure it out. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing, everything, even that, you know, that does help. But what you're saying is, it's it's all true because I'm learning that more and more as I go. Is like I'm, you know, I I feel I still feel like a kid. Uh, I don't know if I still am considered a kid. I feel like one, but I still feel like a little bit like the young kid when I was like learning bow hunting when I'm like sixteen, seventeen. I'm doing hunts on my own, like 
I see a scrape and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking hang it, stand right over this motherfucker. I'm gonna kill this buck tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. yep. You know Done what I mean? Deal. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Flexing, you know? Sometimes less, sometimes you just have to think less and do it. But yeah, that is true. the thing, too, is like, as I get older and a little more experience and like have a family and I'm busier with the podcast and blah, 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 right. it goes on and on. I just find that if I calculate my really weather is what changed a lot for me. And uh, like DeerCast did help me a lot in the last couple mm-hmm. of years, but, and, and we don't get paid by DeerCast. I'm just saying that that's like the tool that I use, but it, it's, I mean, you can look at a regular weather station and see the same thing that DeerCast does, but this breaks it down for a deer hunter. And it just makes me think about things or maybe helps my anxiety. Like, um, I don't know. I'm sure you guys get the same anxiety I get. I might be at a pumpkin patch with the fam, which is great. I want to do that stuff. I'm not saying I don't want to do that, but I'm like, fuck, the weather is really good. Honey, I, I'm, I'm out. Got a I'm high out. pressure system coming in. I've got to go. <laughs> Fuck these pumpkins. I've got to go. Fuck these pumpkins. They're just <laughs> orange. What's up? They'll be orange next year, too. Guess what? They're going to be dead in two weeks. What's <laughs> yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Talk to me. So you're almost better to just calculate in your time, knowing what you know, going with your confidence, calculate your time. And I don't know any other way to break it down. But it's, but less is more, really. Right. But you have to be smarter about your less is more. Because if your less is more, like Steve would have put it in less is more, then just less is <laughs> fucking <lot> less. <laughs> then less is just way less. <laughs> less is not doing shit. Yeah. Less is just sticking it in your own butt at that point. You know? <laughs> so you have to like calculate. <laughs> it's <laughs> and you're in your own bottle. Your own, your own. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't know how else to explain that. No, I think that's right. I mean, pick your times and, <laughs> and, make for... it, and make it count, right? <laughs> so when you go in, you want it, you want it to be a day where you're like, you know what? I think there's more than a fifty percent chance there's going to be a good one that shows up wherever I'm going in, and I'm going to make it count. Yeah, you don't want to be yeah. like, you know, mm, it's going to work ten percent of the time every time. Uh, I'm going to go give it a shot. No, because you're just going to do more damage. You just don't want to go in there all nimbly bimbly, no. tree to tree. You but know? I, but I feel like I go in every season. and I'm like. October 10th, I'm going to wax a big boy early and just get one out of the way and like, be like fuck yeah, I got one. I got to do it before October 10th. This so year. October 10th, yeah, you, you should be, <laughs> you should be uh, working on your does at that time, right? Yeah. Early season. Like that's, that's another big key on our farm right now. Fringing, I'm, right? I'm probably. inventorying all the does and uh, we're, we're getting a hit list together. Cause what we like to do is we like to take the ugly does out. Cause you know, all the bucks like to be around. The pretty ones. Windows. Yeah, you can yeah. take them thick ones out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> them thick girls. Shout, shout out to my thick girls. I didn't mean anything against them. <laughs> holla. Holla, holla. Hey, I, I don't have a track for that. <laughs> I was going to hit a button. You just no. got the turkey Why, gobble. Got the I almost right hit here. this one, but if that was the wrong button. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> that came off bad. You don't hit the laughing yeah. one. I meant, uh, that's all there I got. There we go. There it is. <laughs> I'm an idiot, and I apologize for that. Well, we all are, so it's okay. But all right, yeah. So, but but what I'm getting at is like, I'm tempted to make aggressive moves early. Can can I just say something here? So Please if somebody do. really has the desire to go out and kill one like early October, if you have access to a farm and you can set it up to where you got like some kind of a kill plot or an easy way to get in and out and just hunt a fringe and like you got a scrape or whatever that you're watching in the early season and he's just hammering it, then go hunt it. You know, if it, if you're not blowing your farm out and you can get in and hunt a fringe and it's a 
you know, a one in three chance where you might see this buck, then I'd go in and make a move on him. Yeah. If somebody really feels aggressive in that early season and all the stars line up where the barometer's right and you got a cold front and you're on the fringe and you're not going to hurt anything, dude, by all means, go, go in and hunt it. that deer. But yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, like, looking at my personal career and everybody else that's in here, it's not a high probability hunt for us. It, it's, I agree. I think that's great that you pointed that out. And we're not saying you can't go and kill one opening day. October 5th, like a guy out here just uh, west the of us. love it. They, I mean, yeah. the first two weeks of October is their killing time. Yeah. It's that's, just, for me, I'm not used to it. Agreed. I think the opportunity is there depending on a lot of circumstances. Yep. Um, that's up to you to make those calls. I mean, it might work out big for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go blow my farm out the first two weeks of October on a half-ass chance. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on this. Like. If I'm not hunting an edge or a food plot that's on the very outskirts of my farm, I'm probably not going to be sitting trying to kill a big deer. I will tell you this. Last season, I didn't go inside the timber at all. Neither did I. Yep. Sometimes that's that's a smart play. And I know everybody's situation is a little different. There may be people who have a farm that five other people have access on, and they don't show up until October 20th, and you want to get in there and make the most of it. Like you said, I mean, if you everyone's, have a good beat on it. Everyone's yeah. situation is different. Property is different. Absolutely. Their, their and, layout and, and everything. Not everybody's holding out for a 160 or better. I mean, right. if you want to go in there and you've got a bunch of deer hitting a food plot and you just want to get an arrow in a deer, go get them. Go get them. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Right, definitely. So moving into our, our, uh, November, mm-hmm. if you got a buck your pattern, you're not concerned about the, um, the sporadicness, if that's even a word, of the rut. No. Um, again, it comes back to the MILFs. Well, I guess, yeah, at that point, that's what their main (laughs) concern is, but it comes back to letting deer be comfortable where they're at. You know, you want to give them that space that they feel safe. And regardless of if he's in the middle of a lockdown with a doe two miles away and in the middle of, you know, a, a ditch somewhere, if he comes back to that place, I don't care if it's October 4th, October 17th or December 3rd. Like, I want to have those spaces where the bucks want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just giving them giving them their time, giving them their space, giving them the environment. For sure. And uh, no pressure. No really. pressure. And the thing I've found is the older the deer are, the smaller areas that they're going to use. Um, you know, you may have a six-year-old or a seven-year-old buck that he only uses 40 or 50 acres. And that's just his zone. And he doesn't come yeah. out of that except for the rut. He probably right. just, I, I mean... If I'm thinking like a big bug, he knows that area in and out. He's comfortable there. Why move? Right. He lives there. He walks it every day. Yeah. Yep. It's his living room. Yep. Let's jump to uh, some social media questions. Sure. Kind of see what we got. I'm going to start with Instagram first here since last episode we started with Facebook first. Uh, shout out to Instagram. And uh, we're going to go with Wade's question because he's at the top here. Uh, any light bulb moments that happened while on a hunt that stand out from the rest? That's a good question. It is, it is a good question. And, you know, I wish that it was as easy as just saying, you know, here's two or three things that all of a sudden that just take you from shooting 120 and 130s to 150 and 160s, you know. But unfortunately, I don't think that there's any one thing. The biggest thing I would say I've taken away from killing big deer is looking back on it, you just have to be very patient. Uh, Don't go in there chasing them too hard unless you really have a good idea and a good plan of what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, when I was first starting out, I'd sit in a stand for a half an hour in the morning when the sun came up and nothing's coming through. 
well, I'm going to go to them. And I'd get down and I'd walk around the timber and I'd blow everything out of there. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, you learn through mistakes a lot of times. And I learned through a lot of mistakes. And that led me to the point of saying, you know, you got to sit there and you got to wait on them. And you may have a day that you think is going to be perfect and they don't show up. Well, for whatever reason, they didn't show up. Get out of there. Don't freak out. Don't worry about it. You may not have done anything wrong. You probably did the exact right thing. Wait, come back, and get them again the next time. Yeah. That's so, really good advice. It is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, patience is the biggest thing to me on, on big deer. Man, that's – I mean, I agree from my experience. And I'm not, kill, I'm not killing 198s, but <laughs> I'm going to write this down. Patience in all caps. Patience is key. I can't spell patience. There was there was one day I was talking to a guy that um, when I was in high school – he was one of my coaches, and he was telling me how he was a big deer hunter. And um, I said, you know, what's the key to killing big bucks? He said, well, you can't kill big bucks where they don't live. You know, so if you're on a farm and there's nothing big there, you probably need to find another place to go if yeah. that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I've always we've always kind of uh, well, not always, but frequently we've broken that down as like, you know, if you live in a spot where all you're doing is complaining about your quality of deer and you're doing nothing to change it, mm-hmm. then you should. Pr- over time probably whittle out your complaints of not being able to kill big deer because if that's truly what you care about you will find big deer but it's the same thing no i was just going to say even more specifically like even if you're in our area like an area that has big deer and you're not seeing the caliber of deer that you want you know get permission make moves you know you got to find that big deer in order to kill them if you're hunting in a a, on a farm that doesn't have the caliber and the caliber of animal that you want you're not going to be successful well that's the thing too like that also applies you know it goes to you know you want to kill a big elk well you're not going to kill it here yeah you have to go out west to kill a big elk yeah like that just they don't live here and that i think that's kind of what you're saying too austin is you know, the hustle that people miss out. And uh, when we had Jeremy Beck on that episode when we were at a Club 200 at Ross's place, he's, and he's from Wisconsin, he comes down, he's like, I would not want to want to hunt Illinois. He goes, your public sucks because there's so many people. You can't get private. You can't get permission pieces. You're paying out the ass for leases. But you, I give you guys credit because you guys are grinding it out to figure out spots. Yeah, you got to hustle. You you know trade shit offer work offer offer labor offer this offer that pay for a lease do this so and that's what sucks about like the podcast game or the video game now is like people are like public or private public it doesn't really that's not really an accurate comparison really anymore especially where we're at in Illinois because or in Iowa even um, mm-hmm. Iowa's a little different because you guys aren't over the counter for non residents Illinois right. is but people don't understand that is like if you knew about the fucking hustle that it takes for us to get private ground or permission pieces, you would eat shit because you don't right. understand some of the things that I have to do to get my pieces. I don't own ground. Yep. You know, I don't either. And, and Eric doesn't and Doug doesn't. And, and so what I do to kill my bucks that I'm very proud of is a lot of hustle and a lot of, I'm doing a lot of shit that a lot of people aren't willing to do. You know, I, I, all we got to do is get my wife in here and get some public land guy to interview my wife, and she'll fucking tell you about right. some of the shit I do. You know? Hey, I ran auger cart for a lot of years to be able to hunt some of the ground there you I go. do. And that's a hustle because you're working through hunting season. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, which, you know, and I have nothing against people because they just don't know. Right. You know, it's nothing against someone that's going to give a shit and they didn't realize it. But once they do realize it, it's like, oh, fuck, I guess I didn't realize. That, you know, just because we're hunting private ground we're still busting our asses to get permission on pieces and Absolutely. whatever it may be. Like, it's not a, yeah, go on in. 
and then I kill a 180-inch buck right. in five days of sitting. That don't right. happen. I've never killed a 180-inch buck. And I've hunted Illinois for since I was 12, 11. It is cool, though, to see, like, I mean, public ground around us. There's just one of my farms. I got to pass up some public ground. And, you know, over the last couple of years, there's a lot more trucks there. And it, it, it kind of sucks. There's so many people in there. Yeah. But it's cool, too, to see so many people are getting back into it during bow season. I mean, yeah, there's one spot. I mean, it's a couple hundred acres, and there will be 20, 30 trucks there, you know, end of October into November, which would suck if you were hunting that ground but at the same time it's cool to see that many people that are still passionate about it and out there hunting and hustling yeah no that is cool that's yep. cool um johnny johnson uh shout out to this guy he's a great dude uh our bouncer he's our one of our bouncers at work <laughs> really class. good uh we need to get him some security sign <laughs> or uh like shirts what's the most important sign to get excited about uh rub scrapes big tracks etc and how do you personally hunt the sign Good question. Um, and I don't get into the timber too much during the actual season. Um, I've got a pretty good idea if there's a good deer in there, so I'm not worried about where he's scraping, where he's rubbing, where he's doing his thing. I'm just trying to intercept him when he's coming out to a hot doe, mm-hmm. during the rut at least. And then maybe late season, I'll hunt some hot food sources if I still have a tag. And, you know, I specifically set up a lot of my food plots for late season just so that i have a spot to to you know attack those deer to go when the going gets tough absolutely yeah, yeah. you know it's, it's close to some good thermal cover and i just make it easy for them to just set up shop and slip in and, and try to kill them in the winter but absolutely. late winter late season but um if i'm if so as far as specifically the sign what do i get most excited about late season or, or after the season's over shed season i want to see the big rubs you know i mean that that to me just is like damn you so see even it. after the season, during sure. shed season, when you're walking the timber, yep, big rubs is what's they turn me on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> what you like, huh? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> That's to get you yeah. going, huh? It's usually yeah. not a little guy doing for that. sure. Yeah, you know, you, you walk up on a tree that's the size of a telephone pole or something, and it's all shredded up. You're like, okay, there, okay. that wasn't a two and a half year old. No, yeah. that wasn't a spike doing that. <laughs> no, uh-uh. six to midnight, real yeah. fast. That wasn't yeah. Timmy out there doing that. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's what we like. That's what we like to hear. How you doing? But you know, kind of in in. Same sense of uh, thinking with looking at these um, rubs and the sign after the season's already over. A lot of times there's areas in my farm that internally uh, there may not be cell signal or whatever, so I can't put cell cams in there. Mm -hmm. But I'll set trail cameras in there and just leave them all season long just to see what deer were coming through. If it's deer I knew about, if there's a deer I don't know about that came through and just get some intel on those deer, not until maybe February or March. After the right. season, just to so know for the following yep. year. Yep. Interesting. Yep. yep. I, I think these big deer, you have to be way ahead of them. You can't chase the sign. You can't chase what they did last week. That might be the biggest fucking tip that you drop. Totally. And and that's one of those things that we got out of you that we didn't like really intentionally mean to get out of you. So, sure. But I'm going to give Johnny that credit there. I will say I, I've done that too, but I that usually happens when I forget about the camera and where I put it. Right. <laughs> I want to write that down, but I don't know how to write it down. You're just thinking about what – so a big deer on your farm, you're thinking about what he's done in years prior. Right. Or if you catch a new deer on your farm right. and it's December, February, whenever, you think, okay, 
that deer was on this farm in February, so you're going to try to get ahead of him the following the year. Following sure. year. Yeah. So late season, you're setting up trying so to kill So you're taking him. intel for the next Yeah, and, and this season. isn't just five-year-olds. I mean, I'll see if there's a three-year-old that I'm like, hmm, look at him. He's got yeah. forked brow tines and long G3s. Like, next year he might he's be He's been here. on this ridge, and the third week of October, every year for the last two or three years, I guess I know where I, I you know, that's a weakness in his armor. Right. You can right. you can go after that. And it's kind of uncanny how often these big deer, will, or not even big deer, just deer in general, will repeat themselves. Like once they find a little niche on your farm that they like, yep. it's kind of weird when you can look back at the time of year and say, well, he was there last year and now here he is here again in the same place. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. kind of brings up an example of a deer that I'm interested in. I got trail cam pictures of a deer at a certain time. I'm not gonna, I'm not giving specifics here for many reasons, but... Um, the crew here all knows, and Todd, you even know, but yep. you just don't know. Maybe you do, or maybe you don't know what deer I'm talking about. There's a deer that I'm very interested in, and he was very hard to figure out. And then I had like a uh, a third eye opening of like, ah, oh, shit. I tagged out. I was like, I could kill that deer like in the next three days, and I just whatever, you know. It's, it's I'm happy. I'm tagged. It is out. what it is. But I realized like, oh, that deer is killable. Like in the next three days, and it's probably over. And I realized it. It was over after checking trail cams after the fact. And Austin, you made a good point too, kind of like what we're talking about. And I didn't even realize it until now. Well, you know, if that deer made those moves, then you should probably set some stands this summer and prep in preparation for the deer to make the same moves come late October this season. So you, if he does, you know, if he doesn't, he doesn't. But if he does, you're going to be pre- damn fucking prepared. happy that you prepared for him to make Absolutely. the same moves that he did the year prior. Absolutely. So that's a good point. And I didn't even, honestly, as obvious as it may seem. I didn't put two and two together because there's so much information you can absorb with all this, that certain um, clues and details and all that get lost in all this. But that's like two things I literally just put together. That might be the the difference of me killing the buck that I want to kill this season and not killing it because um, it's easy to ignore things you took note of mentally and didn't write down or things you saw on a trail cam last season. You're like, Oh, and that, that you can forget about by the time, late season hits, trade show season for us, prepping for summer, Western hunts, then back into whitetails. There's a ton you can forget right, in that time frame. So that might be, in my opinion, that's my favorite pick for tip of the, tip of the episode as of now. So far. As of now. So, so far. Yeah. Well, so in, in, on that same train of thought, too, you know, you see a mature buck do something, you identify there's a weakness there, and you know you can plan on that, right? Yeah. For that individual. For the individual. Yeah. The thing that I've found is on our place, mature bucks, That it's it's almost like there's five or six different like approaches that they'll take towards our farm. And if I find a deer in a certain spot at a certain time of year, there's a good chance he's going to show up in a different spot. And, and it's generational. Like the mature bucks use the farm the same way generation after generation after generation. So even if you don't end up killing that deer <clears throat> next year, in three years, there might be a new buck that comes through, and and he approaches the land the same way that this one did, and you may end up killing him. That's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. And it's got to just be because of uh, the mindset, right? Like their knowledge and experience and like what the ground, how the ground works for them. Right, absolutely. Is it in relation to a doe group that lives there? Is it in relation to a food source that's out there? I mean, I— I'd love to say I know exactly why they make the decisions that they make, but all I can do is just react to what they're doing. Well, I mean, doing. look at this guy. As, as a new hunter, you're going to go in there all not knowing what the hell you're doing. And you're bumping them. Five years down the road, you know how to access that property 
in what works for you versus the deer. Yeah. You know, and going yeah, back to that that yeah. comment I made earlier about how I made I learned a lot through making mistakes. I mean, it's it's as small as I've gone in to areas I liked and had a stand in a tree. I'd go in and I'd hunt that area and seventy five percent of the time something would catch my wind. But I just love the area, so I'd shift fifty yards one way or another, and for whatever reason, the way that wind came up that draw or over that ridge or whatever, all of a sudden that tree was the magic tree that you could be in, you could access, you could get out of, you could hunt, and it wouldn't impact the area the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's just you got to fine-tune and keep screwing up and keep making mistakes yeah. and just a sh- shift here, adjust there, and eventually you just kind of get it tuned in. Yeah. God, that's a good that's tip, huge. too, man. Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like a lot of people are scared to do that, like experiment, like move. Even if it's 50 yards, some people might roll their eyes. That's too much work. Right. To move that far, you know, or yeah. whatever. But or it's like they killed the buck out of that stand already. So, like, man, look at Johnny there filtering off on some fucking. He just got us off on some deep <laughs> shit. Good oh, job. Johnny. It was funny. Uh, Wade and I actually went up in my man cave earlier today and we were talking about this. He's like, So, where'd all these deer come from? I'm like, It's funny when you sit here and look at them. I think I counted six or seven of my big deer all came within a 150 yard circle. Like, I've just got this area on this farm, the big draw. You've heard me talk about it before. Yeah. Sometimes you just find those spots. I think topography just favors those mature animals, and they're just every year you can count on a big deer being in there. And if you can get in, sneak in and out without alerting them, you're, you've got a really good chance of being successful in that exact spot well, every year. And we've seen that, yeah. too, with Doug and I. Like, there will be, you know, three ridges, you know, and there's that one that the deer just love. I don't know the mm-hmm. difference between the three, but there's that one that they just love to travel on. Yeah, you know, it, it, when you mentioned that Austin, it's because I'm starting to like I feel like I'm grow, I've grown a lot in the last several years of hunting. 5 of the bucks in the last 3 years, what do I kill two bucks a year are from I mean, honestly, a hundred yard radius. Yep. I know where you're talking. Cause I helped you drag one out. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's weird too. Cause Eric said that like that one ridge would kill their bucks off of, uh, it's just like a magical ridge, but it also changes when there's beans or corn in that field. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, it's just weird how it works. Yeah. It's, I, that's what I love about whitetails, man, is because I mean, it's, you know, it, maybe we'd have be having this same conversation if we lived in Nevada or Utah or Wyoming about, for elk, sure, for sure. You know, because we'd all be methodical about it and whatnot, but um, it's just, that's what's so fun about whitetails is like everybody has different experiences and they're mm-hmm. so malleable as like a species. Like you can be inner city hunting, you could be deep country hunting, you could be, you know, river bottom hunting, you could be plains whitetail hunting. Like it's so much fun to talk about them and the, you can break down all these like methodical breakdowns and everybody has a different experience. If you're, you know, 40 miles this way or a hundred miles into Iowa or into Indiana. Well, and that's what's like, crazy just about this podcast right now. Todd's throwing out things that like I would probably never even think of. Like that's what's nice yeah. about a podcast. You get to hear everyone's aspect yeah. on how they're hitting their property or what they're doing, which is super cool. Yeah. No, I love, I love this type of conversation. Right. Um, let's see. I'm not, I'm kind of just going to read them. If we've covered them, we've covered them. Um, we kind of covered this one already. When targeting a specific buck, what specifically are you trying to key in on, and how do you decide when to make your move? We've sort of covered mm-hmm. this. I'm looking for his girlfriend. Looking for his girlfriend. Yep. The late, MILF. The late MILF. October, early November. All right. Um, Where's the babes at? Yep. Cha-ching. Uh, slot machine sound. Blue Line Bow Hunter just said, that's a hog of a buck on your photo. 
and it absolutely is. And we're reading these uh, these questions from the Instagram post that we posted of Todd on his giant last year. Beautiful picture, by the way. Thanks. That was in the studio in uh, December. Um, I touched it. This is uh, yeah. We we all touched it. <laughs> Uh, what's his name here? I can't read it. It's Cabinet good. Todd. Cabinet Todd. Hell, I say just keeping the conversations flowing. That's where all the great information comes from. Where else are you going to hear about whiskey wind, peacocking, and puke bucks, etc.? <laughs> that was a fantastic episode. Damn puke bucks. Thanks, brother. Yeah, we got to get Chancy back on. Um, in the works, PR Paletta has. Uh, I, I I'll give you guys a teaser. I talked to PR Paletta from from Whitetail Journal, and, and uh, there's an alter ego in the works for the podcast. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. It's a dangerous. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be dangerous. Um, Jay Shaft 44 I'd love to hear Ross, the Lord, and Mark Luster breaking it down. Oh, he's talking about just a different episode. Cool, bro. Well, we could probably make that happen. Get Mark Luster on, probably. Um, Corey Smith, Bowhunter Die. Mock Scrapes or No. Always curious as to what people's views are on them. We might only hit Instagram on this on this episode. A lot of good questions here. Yeah, that is a good question. And you know, the first real big mature deer I killed was actually over a mock scrape, October 29th, um, nineteen ninety nine. And so I'm I was not nine a, years old. Yeah. Same, same here. Same Am I here. dating myself? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a youth hunt, right? No, <laughs> I'm, right, I'm right there with you, man. It was no. a youth hunt. <laughs> Um, you guys so, are the old OG. You guys are the old heads. Yeah, for of the sure. Game. No, I respect you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, they can work in the right situation. I think you know, again, these deer are such individuals that certain bucks may take to a mock scrape and just be completely drawn in and totally killable, and others may be like, That's yeah, fuck that, not my thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Todd, what do, is you, that piece of shit? do you use mock scrapes like in the earlier part of the season to try to take any inventory with a camera? I have not. No, no. Now, now one thing that I did try last year and I'm just kind of getting into are the, uh, the rope scrape. Yep, deals. That's what I divine. Yeah. Yep. What about, exactly. what about like horizontal scrapes? Haven't gotten into that yet either, but it's definitely something to think about and try to develop. I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm all for any kind of approach you want to take to try to give yourself an edge. And I don't think doing any of that stuff's going to hurt anything. Yeah. They may not respond to it, but I don't think it's going to blow up the area. Like fuck and them up. Or I don't that, think so. And yeah. there's only one way to find out. You That's just right. got to go out there and do it. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, in Illinois, we don't, we can't use feed. So in a lot of the early season, if I'm not like on a field edge, I'll try to set up, like I'll put the vine up or whatever, or I'll try to make a little bit of a mock scrape to kind of take some inventory in the early season. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I haven't really perfected my method on my mock scrapes yet. So that's why I was curious. I didn't know if you had had any experience with that. What I'll do more than make a mock scrape is there's certain areas where there's scrapes every single year under the exact same licking branch. Mm -hmm. And you can get pictures of the deer this time of year going through there and just working their face on that branch, you know. Right. The glands and all that in their eyes. The big community spot. I've wanted to to try the rope, and I've been wanting to try, like, the horizontal. I I have not had a ton of success with mock scrapes. Like, it's it's something I'm like, I'm going to do that this year. And then I get doing it, and then I'm like, dude, fuck this. I'm just to be harsh about it. Like, I'm just like, nah. 
I'm good. Like well, it didn't work for me. I don't know. When Maybe we're I'm sitting setting here them up and, wrong. Yeah, when we're sitting here in July talking about deer season, it's like I want to do decoys and I want to do horizontal right. rubs and I want to do this and that and this and and then the season gets here and it's like over. I didn't you know? do any it's of that. So yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. I dude, it's it, as an adult, time flies so quick. Yeah. When I was a kid in summer, I didn't have to do shit. Right. I'm like, it's 4th of July. I got tons of summer left. And then I'm like, back to school. I didn't do fucking anything. <laughs> I around play right. Call of Duty all summer. I yeah. know. And so I'm like, man, the days. The days. <laughs> um, if you only knew what you knew now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wouldn't be good. Could be killing big My life. life would be different in a lot of ways. I'd have like 40 kids. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Here we go. AJ Wizza, best advice for hunting over water holes and also any info on hunting over honey locust trees. That's an interesting uh, question. question. Yeah. yeah. Um, the water hole thing seems to be super popular right now, and I haven't really gotten into it. I have a major creek that rolls through the center of my property, so water is not really an issue for me on my place. Um, yeah, you can get it whenever, whenever. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. I mean, now there may be some spots up on top of some ridges where it may make sense to put a little dammed up yep. draw to, just to give them something to key on. Um, but I'm, again, I'm out on the edges, so I'm not really trying to hit those spots. Um, honey locust trees, I actually do have a portion of my farm that's honey locust hedge and, and bush honeysuckle and late late winter if there's not much other food they'll come in and eat those pods mm -hmm. yeah but mm -hmm. um it's funny watch them suck yeah. down a whole locust pod that's yeah that long they just love that shit, much they do. Just, yeah but it's got to be pretty dang cold and not many other options for them right. yeah like heat and bark pretty yeah. much um this is a cool question james dean's trouble sorry instagram names are hard to read what is the crew's biggest three keys success slash three most important things they have for a set? Weather, gear, time of year, etc. What is the crew's biggest three keys to success? Three most important things they have for a set. Well, for me, it's going to be knowing that there's a big deer in the area. Yeah. Can we go pressure? We could probably all agree on right yeah well i think i think you hit it right there just not even pressure just locating a big deer for one so you're actually hunting the caliber animal that you want is right. step number one you kind of know yeah. how much pressure to apply or not and then yeah. where to go from just there. finding that yep. big animal is number so, one so, all right well number one finding a big deer mm -hmm. yep yep number two for me would be i guess it's kind of a combo two and three put them together the right weather at the right time of year you know the, the right weather and probably pressure together is that I'm fair? just I'm just looking for a cold front that last week of October, first two weeks of November. Okay, and, and that comes with pressure, sure, because you're not making dumb moves before because right. you're waiting on that front. Yep, yep. So that's kind of like two in the same. Right, weather and pressure is kind of like you're you're not going in there for hope for the hill Mary. Correct. Right on an eighty degree day. Right, because you you know better at this point. Yeah. So at, at this at this time period in the podcast we're swirling pressure and weather fronts and right. timing into the same rope right okay so we'll count that as two that's i am I'm, I'm in i'm in on this one and two right or am i off no you're good you're good you're good three so, keys to success we're trying just I mean, we're simplifying here what would be number three you gotta have your bow with you right i mean <laughs> i'm not sure what the third one is. arrows release bow Shoot your bow um, you know, before season. I say entry and exit strategy, yeah. which yeah. also kind of goes into pressure, but kind of not because you can you can stay out of an area and not have pressure and your weather fronts right. But if you're sloppy on your execution, you're kind of going <laughs> to shoot yourself in the foot. You're going to your uh, what's your wind fall under pressure too? 
I'd say wind would fall into your entry and exit. Yeah. Yeah. And but but it's good. It's good. We didn't overlook that. That's a good point. And you know something about wind. Um, in in Ross's recovery video, he actually touched on it. A lot of spots to get a big deer to come in, you're going to have to have almost the exact wrong wind. Like a ten or fifteen degree shift in the wind direction is exactly what it takes for that deer to come in. Because you know Ross said that that deer winded him and was getting out of there when he shot him. If the wind would have been blowing the complete opposite direction, good chance that deer never even shows up there. Right. And the guy who changed the way I, I will give him credit forever on this, my thought process on, process on that is Clark Cummings. He talked about um, quartering winds. Yep. What we call a whiskey wind mm-hmm. on the Kyle Weeder podcast is uh, the wind's got to work for the deer. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, he has no reason to be there. That's right. So the deer, a deer will seldom move with the wind to his back in a critical situation of survival. And that's how they survive. You know, another thing too, real quick is like what, uh, Drury said was if it's downpour rain and you know, it's going to stop that afternoon, you better be in that stand when it's raining. As soon as it stops, you'll see deer. Yeah. Um, let me, uh, what's this little deal here? Um, a lot of this we've covered, I'm trying to, I want to get everybody's questions here. How much pressure is too much pressure? And I ask because I, because you can't figure out what a big one is doing without a little scouting or time in the stand because trail cams don't tell you everything. We, we kind of covered, covered that. Yeah, we kind of yeah. covered that. Um, no, they don't. But I mean, that's a good, in general, how much, and I'm kind of, I'll ask you, this is to you, Todd, directly, but kind of to the crew as well. How much pressure is too much pressure? Um, the amount of pressure that makes that deer uncomfortable, whatever that is, you know, I mean, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a horrible answer for, you know, it, it doesn't define it, but, um, if you've got trail cameras out on an edge where you can drive your car right up to it or your truck right up to it and check them without having to walk anywhere and leaving a bunch of scent, you can probably do that once yeah. every three, four days, whatever in the middle of the day. Right. Yeah. But if you're driving in there and you're busting out a bunch of deer and you're, you're, you're just announcing yourself to the herd. Or, or specifically to the the big buck that you're after, you, you're going to mess it up, yeah. I think. Yeah. Agreed. If you've built that farm and you've literally shaped that food plot to the way you want it and you can get in and out of that plot 13 times without alerting that deer, then that's not too much pressure. But if you go in there one time the wrong way and blow him out, then that's too much pressure. Yep. And I have yeah. food plots I've set up that I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I know that I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be able to get in, but I'm going to screw it up when I come out. I can't hunt this more than once every two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just got to let it settle down. Yeah. Just as much it, as you want to be in there, you got to let absolutely. it settle down. Yep. Yeah. You just hope it pays off eventually on the right time. That's right. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good, I like that question. I mean, we, I mean, at a certain point, even if we've covered it kind of in conversation, it also helps to um, be forced to kind of like simplify it in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we kind of talked about it, but if you had to be like nailed to the wall about it, how would you break it down? Like that's also an important thing I think too, for sure. People. Um, because it might make sense to us cause we have hunting experience, but I like to break things down for people who might not have as much or have more, but don't understand how we're talking about it. Um, some of these questions, uh, we'll answer this one. Bo assassin three sixty five. I'd like to hear a bit about more traditional bow hunting. I really like the podcast and I haven't missed an episode since I turned in last spring. 
One of my favorite episodes is Austin's first trad buck. I swapped from solely compound to solely traditional this last uh, traditional last this past season. There's just a little different mindset, I think. Keep up the good work and shit talking, fellas. Well, we appreciate you, brother. Um, Chandler, this is where you take over. Not really a question in there, but it's kind of, a, kind of a compliment. <laughs> yeah, um, he wants to hear more traditional bow hunting. So we'll, we'll... and shit talking. Hey, Doug, you're a piece of shit. Hey, fuck you, Doug. <laughs> fuck you, Doug. Pick up the trad bow. <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> Austin? What got you into the trad bow? I, I it's something that I'd always wanted to do for years. Um, I picked up a. I had a bear grizzly recurve in high school, and I wounded a doe with it. And I'm like, man, this is just like. And there was a local guy that had killed a really big deer. And I'm like, that to me is just the pinnacle of the sport. Like when you can take a literal stick and string and harvest a mature animal with it, like to me, that was the greatest accomplishment you could do. So I kind of put it on the back burner for years. And uh, after accomplishing a few of my goals that I wanted to accomplish, I'm like, well, it's time. I'm going to pick this thing up and try it. So when you are in the trad bow, do you have a different shot? like practicing session approach than when you're shooting a compound? I, I do just because I'm so unfamiliar with it. Like, I mean, most of the time I'm just 15 to 20 yards, just going through the shot. I mean, literally 20 times more arrows than I'll shoot through my compound. Just a lot of arrows trying to perfect that shot execution. And, uh, yeah, it, it it's a lot different than my compound where I, when I, with my compound, I go out and shoot three to 15 arrows at a time. And with my longbow, I'll go out and shoot fifty arrows at a time. Yeah. Now, now, do you have like uh, do you have like traditional archery stands versus compound archery stands? Some of the stands I use are the same, just because it's a natural pinch or a funnel, and those sure. deer are going to be within ten or fifteen yards. But a lot of times, I'll pack a stand or my saddle in with me and find that pinch that's going to put them within range of me like there's got to be a stand where you're like okay i know i can shoot with my compound there but i wouldn't risk taking my yep i've got some nice i've got some compound stands that are like all right that's probably going to be anywhere from a 10 to a 40 yard shot and with with the trad bow i might get a little more aggressive and try to close that gap up a little bit tighter or not even set that spot and set a spot that's just a lot tighter pinch sure makes sense do you do you have like a height restrict restriction on how high you'll put a stand in for a trad bow normally it's about the same like i like to be up 15 17 maybe 20 foot right around in there just above the deers like when a deer's looking level he's at about 12 or 13 feet i like to be just up above that 15 foot or a little higher cool right on i took a pee break at the right time sorry austin get a bush light I got an apple bush light. Right I got here. I got you one. I got you two beers right here. You got three of them right here. Cool. I can't do an IPA. I got you another oh, one. Oh, right you. There, oh, you're asking me. I thought yeah. you were saying that was for me. Well, there you go. I, well, fuck me, right? I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Ryan. Ryan Jer. I can't read Instagram names. Ryan. Just let's just say Ryan. Ryan. Thank you. Uh, tactics on secluded parcels with very limited access and best practices for small kill food plots and heavy timber areas. I guess it would depend on the time of year you're trying to get the kill, you know, done. And to me, a small timber area or heavy timber, small, small tract, um, I would think earlier is probably going to be better if the deer are in there. Um, and to me, more predictable early. Yeah. I just think they'll, you know, when, when the, the timbers bare, they can probably pick you off coming in a little bit easier um, than they can early season. You can get you can get pretty tight on some deer early season if you're really sneaky coming in, and the wind's right if it's the right setup. 
So I would probably just go in with some oats or something on a little food plot, just give them something sweet to come eat and uh, just get in there when the weather's right. Weather. Yeah. Another thing, too, like if you have a secluded parcel is the screen from Big Time that we just talked about a few podcasts ago. Borderline, baby. Borderline, yep. Yep. Uh, That podcast, if you haven't listened to that, tune back in because I think you will enjoy that. It's uh, I learned a shit ton. I think, uh, Austin, you shined bright Mm -hmm. on that episode a lot. I got lucky. Like a diamond. (laughs) I got lucky. He knows how to grow some seed. (laughs) Um. Is there a food plot mixture to attract deer when you're competing with alfalfa fields in your hunting area? Um, I would revert you back again to that podcast because I think we covered a ton. Um, I think you get something out of that and a lot in like maybe how to break down um, your food plot and entry and exit and all that stuff. We talked a lot about that, which I think is very valuable. Um, If you're pretty confident a buck is going to stick around your area for the most of the season should you get aggressive early or be more conservative and wait him out jeff spear writes yeah i think we've covered that pretty well i mean you're gonna gonna wait him out i'm waiting him out yeah yeah definitely thanks for the question jeff appreciate you buddy um all right uh holds clause writes for newer hunters or those who aren't highly educated on the subject what can we use to become more adequated with being able to more accurately tell, predict wind direction and thermals to close in on bucks? We touched on this a little bit too, I think. A lot of times, you know, the weatherman might say the wind's coming out of the west, but you've got to really get in that spot and test those trees and see what the topography's doing to that exact spot. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I did a Whitetail University course with uh, Barry Wenzel one year, and he said that he would go in in the off season. And he'd actually put smoke bombs off in his stands. I read an article about that. Yeah, and and, then, you know, weird things happen. You know, watch the smoke 100 yards out and watch how it cut like a ravine or whatever it may be. And that's a good point, too. What the wind's doing right at your exact location might not be what that same wind is doing 20 or 30 yards away. Exactly. All right, let me throw this at you guys. That's great for that educational purpose, but... How many dudes are going to go out with a smoke bomb? Oh, dude, that's taking it to the next level. It's the next level. I've never put on a smoke bomb. (laughs) Never done it? Not yet. But (laughs) it's got me thinking now. (laughs) But there's guys that'd be like, well, pressure. You smoke the fucking thing out. But do it in March. If you're doing it, yeah, do it in March. Whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, You know, to me, it seems extreme, but you'd learn a lot real quick. You'd learn a lot in 10 minutes. You know, honestly, you would. It's fourth. It's July. Go buy your fucking smoke bombs from the snakes and sparklers stand. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. You know they're real cheap right now because the 4th of July is over. Yeah, light off, light <laughs> off little snakes in your stand. <laughs> they're giving goes. them away. It's not about what you want. It's the consumer. <laughs> it's the consumer. Right. Hey, we're about to sell working class smoke bombs for your stand platform. Oh, hey, hey, no. hey, get a smoke hey, bomb on that out. expanded hey, metal. Deer, <laughs> hey, deer bombs. <laughs> they're deer bombs. Yeah, eat shit. Listen, buy our marketing. We'll call them deer turds. Um... <laughs> This is a good one. Weekend Warrior Hunting asks, what are some of the biggest struggles or obstacles he had to overcome to be more successful? Which failures did he learn from the most? That's a good question. I think the biggest struggle would be being on a farm, knowing there's big deer there, going in, hunting hard, putting in the time, and not getting results. 
I mean that that yeah. that will Dude. burn you up because everything you need is there. It's there. You know the deer are there. You're getting pictures of them. You you may even see them occasionally. Or the equation should be right. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you you go in hard early and you pressure these deer, and they know they're being hunted. And they're just a little bit on edge, or really on edge. They become damn near impossible to kill. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's probably the biggest struggle I had, and the way I got over it. What? Let's see. To be successful, you know, you just, we go back to that patience thing. Um, Knowing the deer are there, just have faith that they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, wait for them, wait for the time to be right, wait for the conditions to be right, and then make your move. Trust the process? Absolutely. Yeah. It's more sticking to what you know. Like, once you know it, it's like holding true to it. And even how... And it can be hard. Sometimes it's fucking painful, yeah. All right, we're going to take two more. Um, just for time purposes and kind of where we're at. We've covered a lot of this. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm gonna, we'll do three more because this one's funny. Um, <laughs> we can sneak one more in. Bo, Bo Hunting PA asks, uh, how to deal with dumbass locals trying to pry and obtain information on your hunting locations. <laughs> Have you had much issues with any of this? Um, I've been pretty tight lipped on most of the stuff that I have going on, so it hasn't yeah. really been much of an issue for me. No, it's they all changed now that I'm. I would tell you this close to you guys, but <laughs> right now, now it's, it's changing. Right? It's all downhill from here. Yeah, right. Next time we invite you on a podcast, you're like, "Hey guys, listen, eat shit. Well, let's yeah. do an elk podcast. Yeah, let's do an elk podcast. <laughs> tell us about New Mexico, right? Um, or South Dakota. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> I will tell you this: I do not rock the working class bow hunter sticker on my truck anymore. On my sure. own truck. Yep. It used to be a badge of honor. Look at my brand. Here's my 15 inch sticker in the back of my window. I had peeled it off. Now yep. it's a beacon. It's a beacon. He just leaves it on when he's in the stand. I don't have any stickers on my new truck. I drive um, a Toyota Tundra now. A Ford Ranger. A red Toyota Tundra, and I got no stickers on the back. I drive a Trail 70, so you won't be able to see it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, it is fun to have a group of guys that you can say, look at this trail cam picture, or I had this encounter, or you want to have some kind of positive feedback from people that are supporting you, you know, but you got to keep it in that circle. Yep. I'll show my homies all day. All day. That's where we're at. Everybody in here is going to see my trail cam pictures, but there's a thing with it that they have to pass the code of hunting brotherhood. And uh, Todd, I mean, instantly we passed, I mean, you passed the code of brotherhood, but but, but, like we both knew like, I knew where your code of brotherhood was on the same yep. code as my brotherhood. Same thing with Chandler. Same thing with Eric. Same thing with Doug. Same thing with everybody out in the green room right now. It's like, if I go out there, I'm like, check this out. Those dudes are tight-lipped, son. Yep. Dude, for me, it was so weird because I started running trail cameras, and I don't know what would it have been. Oh three, oh four. Yeah, I, 35 millimeter. I never shared a picture with anybody. Like literally anybody, not even my own brother. And then when you started up the group where we are, we all started talking and kind of sharing pictures. That's like the first time I ever shared a picture of a deer that I hadn't killed yet. It just felt weird to me to but, like, but hey, did let it ever go get that. out? What's that? Did it ever get out? No, it never did. And that's what's cool about it. But it just felt weird to let that secret out before I'd actually killed that deer. I've always just been super tight lipped with the deer that I've been hunting. It's, it's, circle it's trust, man. better because it makes in a weird way. It, and, and people listening, but 
in our community, in our friendship, we all have common interests. That makes our friendships a little stronger. Yep. But like, oh, it's fun to share it with somebody. I'm glad that I have that group of people. Right. Yeah. But I never had that. But it don't leave this group. Yeah. One, if if there's a code of ethics, like you share a trail cam picture, if Doug shows a trail cam picture, it don't fucking leave. Yep. Right. The OGs. Like if if it's a buck that that can't get out, and we know when you see the caliber of buck that it can't get out, yeah. it's oh, like shit, Doug. We got you. And we hope you kill that buck. Mm-hmm. And when you call us in a group chat and we're all like hitting the button. <laughs> That's him. It's him. November 3rd, we're like, <laughs> Even if you're in the stand, when that when that ringer goes off and then you see that, you're like, okay, silent. I'm answering it just so I can see I it. When, <laughs> when Ross did that, uh, what was oh, it, it was like at 2 p.m.? 2 p.m.? It was early, yeah, like three o'clock. Yeah, I was that, in the stands, like you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you just know we killed one. That's our thing. Like we have a we have a couple group chats now during season. If you get a call and you know it's a group call, silence you, your phone. You, you answer, answer that, that, fucker. that motherfucker. Even if you're hunting, you just stare at the camera. Even if you're looking for a deer, you're like side eyeing the phone. Like, oh shit, what did what, what yep. so and so kill? Yeah, that's part of the fun. Um, all right, two more questions. Um, okay, this is a good one. Archer Drive. Big Woods non-ag area tap, uh, tactics. To pee or not to pee in scrapes? And most importantly, when is Austin Chandler going to get the rest of the crew into the trad game? <laughs> All right. First question. To pee or not to pee in scrapes? I'm peeing. Well, I think it just depends on what you, what your personal diet is. <laughs> right? <laughs> not asparagus. Well, bucks like bush light. Then. Salty. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, they. You, we know how good their noses are. Yeah. Right? You know, if, if you drink a shit ton of water. You're probably okay to pee. Yeah, probably. You, I drank a lot of bourbon, and deer don't seem to mind my piss. <laughs> right, right. A little sweet. A lot of, a lot of bourbon and asparagus. <laughs> asparagus. The only reason I pee in them is because I learned it from these guys. From sure. I'll I, do it all, um, all the time. I've never seriously peed in a scrape and hoping to kill a deer over it. For the record. No, no I do it for trail cameras. Yeah, no. that's like inventory, like weird cameras, like... Not in, I don't go to the big draw and just start pissing in a scrape, but like if I've got a little farm <laughs> that I, I'm just curious, you know, like I want to test this, like, okay, what are the deer going to do? Are they going to react to this? And I've done it a lot and they don't seem to mind it. Like they'll come up and they'll, they'll piss, piss right in it. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Or you'll have some deer that'll walk right by it and not even give a fuck. And then here's uh when is Austin Chandler going to get there? Well, Todd, we didn't ask you about the, the peeing and scrapes thing. I've done it. it. I've never seen much of a reaction. Don't give a shit. Don't really care. No, I love it. All right, Chandler, when are you going to get us into the trad game? I'm trying. I'm you guys trying. are you guys are all kind of messing around with it a little bit. We've Listen, all got it. When Elite brings back the traditional bows, there you go. We'll fur with it. Elite is our title sponsor. We love. They, they Elite. decide when we start. <laughs> yeah, come on, Elite, step up the game. Bring them back. I actually hit them up. I was like, "Is there any left? Like, can I get one? Come on, Daddy needs one. Yeah, <laughs> we want to rep that brand. Let's do it. They didn't have them. Damn it. But uh, I'm good on that for a while. I got I got to hit a certain level of whitetail for I'm like. But even hit, if you don't hunt with it, they're just so fun to shoot. They're so fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's something about, and Shad, oh, we got some things coming down the line. But if Shad was here, there's something about the community of a traditional bow that just brings people together with fun. You smile. Even when you, you miss, smile. you're having fun. You smile. And yeah. you can see that like at our shoot, like with Shad being around, there's more and more traditional people oh, yeah. showing up. Oh, yeah. everybody's yeah. interested in and it. Or they're switching over. Yeah. Yeah. Shad is the, is the trad lord. He is. The trad lord. Uh, all right, last question. Um, that's not really a question. 
Give me a sec. That's not a question either. People are just <laughs> plugging things. Another plug. That's the last question. Ah, shit. Last post. Ah, shit. It's two. Uh, yeah, okay. I've anyway. got a question. Yeah. How big of a deer is everyone going to kill next year? Oh, wow. Doug, you're first, boy. Come on. Rub that mustache. Let's make predictions. Ooh. I'm feeling really good. If not, we're gonna, okay, let's bring good. this back. Let's bring this back. Doug, what are we going to kill this year? Oh, Ooh. shit. Put me on the spot. Oh, if boy. it doesn't come true, we're going to round up that thing. Yeah, let me take a drink. <laughs> round up. <laughs> hey, that thing we're going to ground clear. We're going to burn that off. <laughs> that motherfucker ain't ever growing back. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Hitting the roots. Um, I'm feeling like I'm going to kill a big one this year. I'm feeling it. Throw a okay. number out, boy. 178. I feel like Kurt's going to put it on a monster. Oh, come on. Look me, at him. Look at his nose itching. I've seen the trail camp pictures. So. <laughs> give me a number, boy. All right. You're going to get a 166. Or bigger. Or right. bigger. smaller. 166. Yeah. Okay. Man. Austin, uh, you going to try it again or elite? Uh, it could be either one. Depends on how big he is. Ooh, you got to make a prediction for both. Ooh, well, no, God it's got to be a general prediction because right, it right. could go either way. Okay. 172. Whoa. Cam, I'll take that. Todd, I'm gonna, I got a good feeling about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had a big year last year. You did. I'm going to say uh, 167. You're a good man. Good man. Good man. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Wow. What a group of solid dude. That's positive. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. I was kind of expecting like a goose egg. Like Austin, you've had your time. You're you're not no, killing shit this year. I can't say that. I don't want to put you down. Listen, <laughs> confidence in your in your crew yeah. is important. I just I'm just waiting for the year that Doug's like, yeah, you're not going to kill shit. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see Doug's 170s. Doug, I know I was gonna go bigger, but you got this, I, man. I, from the shed I found, I was gonna go bigger, but yeah. I'll play it safe. You gotta be conservative. Yeah, listen, anything can happen in the whitetail woods. You never know, and that's the best thing about whitetails, right? Like that's why we do it. That's why we're so into it, and that's why when someone asks us, "What do you talk about?" You've done 460 episodes. You don't understand the layers to the game. You know, there's a lot to talk about. They don't get it. Even if we talk about the same thing on a different episode, different guests and depends on the episode we have different perspectives or different different opinions on that time you know just because we have an opinion now doesn't mean in 20 episodes i might not have a dip, way different opinion than i do right now on something so that's the fun of it right you know mm-hmm. that's what makes it's it evolving it's evolving and if you're going to hold us to you know one episode is what we did on the record and that's it then uh eat shit you don't understand the process every season <laughs> is different every season is different so uh Todd, what do you think? You got anything to add? It's been fun. I appreciate you guys letting me come in. It's uh, always good chatting with you guys, especially about Big Deer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, great studio. Look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Always glad to have you, man. You're welcome anytime. Our green room is always open for you, especially if appreciate it's it. not in the studio. Yeah. Come on in and hang out and have a beer. Then we're going to have a fight party here uh, at the time of recording a 
McGregor Poirier fight party here at the studio. It's on. Which by the time this launches, that'll be done and over, and who knows who won. I'll be up at Jordan's Resort this weekend. Oh, uh, cool. Angler's nice. Haven, huh? Angler's Haven, yeah. Back up there at the pullback and let go in the lining kugels land, huh? Yeah, that's he right. mixes a mean old fashioned, I'm telling you. Oh, boy, I'm ready for You're it. You're not going to want to come home. I'm just ready to shut my phone off and relax for a week. It's beautiful up there. Sounds yeah. like a good time. Well, we have some uh, potential big things in the works here in the future. Um, Todd will be hanging out with your brother. Sounds good. And uh, you guys got anything to close with? Any, any words of peace? Or encouragement for our listeners here. Nope, we got some new hats in. We got the youth hats now, so let's plug that a little bit. The Geyerbuck hats are in. Yep, we got a new um, t-shirt in store right now. We have another new t-shirt on it getting printed right now. So we're The gonna, Go Shoot Your Bow shirts are getting revamped. Revamped. The uh, logo shirt is up. Oh, instead of black and lime green, it's now OD green and black logo. Yep, with a little logo cool. on the back. Yep. Doug's rocking it. Doug's rocking it. Doug's rocking it. He can be our and model. If you are tuning into the podcast on Spotify or whatever podcast platform, you might notice a new art. We updated the art for the first time in fucking, I don't know how long since we started, probably. Since we started. Um, a little different logo, not as loud, not as green. Let us know if you like it. If you don't like I, I I don't know how I feel about it. I like it. It looks good, but I don't like the clickability as a small square on it. It's not set in stone yet. It's not set in stone. Anything can happen. Yeah. I yeah. like it. We can change it. I think it's cool. I like it. Absolutely. It's classy. And we also have new bar tavern uh, coasters. Koozies, you mean? Koozies. <laughs> I can call them koozies. Um, if you're watching this on video, we have them here, and we're proud of them. And we're going to... Hand them out to taverns around the area and uh, people we like. So if you know a tavern in your area that would like a slew of working class bow hunter. That'll hand them out. Uh, like cardboard style pub coasters. Let us know. We we are, we're also going to have a sticker pack coming up in the store. Yeah, sticker pack. So instead of buying individual, we'll have a pack and it'll probably be more worth it. We'll have like a couple of each stickers and yep. all that and it'll be sold in just a package. So if you want to buy a whole pack, give them out to your buddies. Yep. Um, make your girlfriend stick one on her car, your boyfriend, if you got that kind of dude in your life. Um, we'll figure it out for you, you know? Yep. Absolutely. There it is. All right. You know what to do? Go shoot your bow. We love you. <laughs>